about 2,000 years ago, there were some people who went to see a man named John, a preacher named John. John was preaching, Luke 3 says, all around the region. So he had contact with several people. We also, as we think about John and what's said in Luke chapter 3, know that he was citing at least Isaiah the prophet, Luke 3 and verse 4. As John was speaking to people, he told them to get ready for God. God was going to do something. Wrath was coming, Luke chapter 3 and verse 7. Judgment was coming, Luke chapter 3 and verse 17. As we look at the life of John, as we look at what Luke says, and he's not the only writer who talks about what John did, we find that there were a number of different people who came to see John. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says that John saw some people and he said, you are poisonous snakes. Now, John could have said to these people, you are like, you are as, you are similar to poisonous snakes, but he didn't do that. He omitted the comparison word. John said, you are deadly snakes. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 8, we find some people being told by John that God would not accept their excuses. Oh, they had some excuses. They said, well, we're the children of Abraham. John said, God's not going to accept that as an excuse. John said, God can raise up from these stones, from these rocks, children of Abraham. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 13, we have another group. There were some soldiers. And John, as he talked with these soldiers, he said, you are guilty of extortion. You're taking money that you should not get. You are taxing people more than should be taxed. And you also find threats and violence in Luke chapter 3 and verse 14. When you look at the quick summary of John's preaching in Luke chapter 3 and verse uh, 13 through about verse 8, if you back up a little bit, you find that he probably agitated some people. John, it seems, not only agitated or irritated some people, you can see some implied hate. When you think about, for example, going back to Luke chapter 3 and verse 7, if you say to someone you are not just a snake, but you are a deadly snake, that's probably not a real good way to endear yourself to people. It's not a good way to make some fast and great friends. When we get down to verse 19 in Luke chapter 3, we find some information about a ruler named Herod. Herod was married. John told this ruler that his marriage was unlawful. It was not acceptable to God. And that ruler later had John imprisoned and executed. The word hate is not specifically used in Luke chapter 3, but you do find several indications of people who surely would have hated John. If you go a little bit later in the Bible, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 18, you find that John was someone who was referred to as having a demon. That's how some people, when they looked at John, his work, his ministry, they said, you are possessed by the devil. You are a crazy man. Now, had John not been some public figure, he probably would have been someone who was sort of the out of sight, out of mind category. Yeah, there's that guy out there and he's a preacher, he's in the wilderness, but we don't pay any attention to him. But John was not some out of sight, out of mind guy. He got a lot of attention. We've already seen from Luke chapter 3 that he was working in several parts of the area of Palestine. Matthew 11 and verse 18 leaves no doubt that he was someone who was hated. In our day and time, there are a lot of discussions about hate. Hate speech, hate crimes, hate groups. Almost every day we can hear the word hate. It is not uncommon for Christians to be called hateful or haters. This morning we want to see what the Bible has to say about the subject of hate. Is it right to hate? If we're a Christian and we are the object of hatred at some point, how should we respond to that? When Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke about hate. He told his listeners, the Jews, Matthew 5 and verse 43, he says, you've heard it said. In perhaps some of their Bible studies, perhaps in synagogue, they'd heard that it was said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. They were familiar with that, but Jesus said, I have a different message for you. I know what you've heard, but this is what I tell you. But there's a contrast. But I say unto you, rather than hate your enemies... 
Jesus said, I want you to love your enemies. Loving friends and hating enemies is how non-Christians behave. That is standard operating procedure for the world. Those who hate Christians oftentimes and generally do love the people who share that belief, hate Christians. It takes little effort, it takes little love to appreciate, to highly regard those who think, act, and believe as they think, act, and believe. But Jesus said, you're not to live that way if you're going to be one of my people. Just because you have friends and you are on good relations with them, you can't treat your enemies in a bad way. Verse 44, regardless of how old we are, we might be very young, we might be very old, but regardless of how old we are, we are probably going to have some enemies in life. You probably don't have to get very far in life, maybe not even through uh, kindergarten, to realize that you can have uh, some very powerful enemies. And our enemies may seek to hurt us, they may seek to injure us at almost every opportunity. One of the things, though, that we pick up from Matthew chapter 5 is that we are not to um, return evil for evil. We are to try to do good for our enemies. There may be all kinds of reasons that someone despises us, hates us, dislikes us. And one of those reasons is found in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22. Jesus warned his disciples, and you shall be hated. Hated by who? He said, hated of all men. Why? For my namesake. Jesus said, if you try to do what's right, if you try to live as one of my children, he said, there are going to be people, there are going to be a lot of people who are not going to like you very much. If we are someone who truly tries to live for God, we need to understand that we're not just going to miss out on some friendships in life. It's not going to be that there's some people who would say, well, normal, I would be friends with you, but you know, you're this religious person or you hold God and the Bible in high regard. No, no. Jesus said, it's going to go beyond that. He says, there are going to be some people, they hate you. They really, really, really do not like you. Now, we may not always know who those haters are. Some of those haters may pretend to be nice to us. Others may not tell us that they hate us because of our faith. If we ever are given a reason for the hatred, maybe someone lies. But faithful Christians are going to be hated. It's always been that way, and we expect it's always going to be that way, at least with some. When we think about the hate that hatred for and directed sometimes at Christians, it can be deadly. In Matthew 24 and verse 9, when Jesus was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, he says, then, then shall they deliver you up into tribulation and shall kill you, and there's that word, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. Then we look at uh, what we have here from about 115 B.C. There uh, was a time, about 80 years after the church was established, that we have this historian making this point. He says, as a class, the Christians are hated. Why? They're hated for their abominations and guilty of hatred of the human race. Theirs was not a religion but a deadly superstition and hence worthy of repression. Now, we, thankfully, at least at this time, do not live in this kind of culture. In some respects, we may be headed there, hopefully not, but that very well could be the case. But this Roman historian, about 80 years after the church was established, he makes it clear that Christians were hated. As you look at Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they had favor with all the people. That relationship with the people did not continue year after year, century after century. If we are um, people who are hated, uh, we need to kind of think about how to act. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 22, Jesus said, Remember that when you're hated, you're blessed. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and reproach you, and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Being hated is not always a bad thing. If we're hated because we defend the truth, we hold to the truth, if we are hated because someone uh, despises our relationship with God, our commitment to him, that is okay. 
God says he've already, he's already told us that we need to be good to people uh, when they treat us in bad ways. And now we see that reinforced with Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. But I say unto you that here, love your enemies. For the people that hate you, Jesus said, do good to those people. That is how the Lord tried to treat people. There were individuals that would not let him love them, but there were times where Jesus went out of his way to show love to a person who tried to destroy him because of hate. The world may lie about an enemy because they hate him. The world may fabricate evidence against an enemy because they hate him. The world may launch never-ending attacks on an enemy because they hate him. But how often have we seen the world try to love an enemy? It almost never happens. It's rare. It's unusual. But Jesus said that's to be the way that Christians try to live their lives. God says, I want you to do good to your haters. Don't just tolerate them. Don't just say a kind word. But God says, I want you to actively seek out ways that you can be good and kind and helpful to your enemies. Now, someone scratches their head a little bit and says, well, how is that possible? That's really difficult for me. Well, yes, it is probably going to be difficult, but we can do our best to speak kind words. If we have a hateful person shouting hateful things at us, it's probably best, as we think about Luke 6 and verse 27, not to shout back. When we're insulted by haters, don't return insult for insult. Now, kindness is not always going to stop a hater. Kindness is not always going to stop a hater and change them into someone that God wants them to be. That may not be the most common outcome, but it has happened on some occasions. We can follow what God has said. And as we think about that, John chapter 3 and verse 20 comes to mind. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, and cometh not to the light, lest his work should be, uh, should be reproved. The people who are hateful, oftentimes they don't want to go in the right way. But God tells us that doesn't matter. Some may change, and thankfully, uh, that is the case sometimes. John the Baptist was a spokesman, but as we look at his life, there were still, even when he was at the end of his life, some people who hated him. John could have been the best preacher of all time. That wouldn't have changed things. We know that because Jesus came along. Jesus was certainly no slouch in the pulpit. But is it not true that the Lord was also hated as well? He was. People finally called for his death. A little later in the book of John, we have this information. It's a little consolation. John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus says, If, and we might even say when, when the world hateth you, Jesus said, You remember that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus knows what it's like to be hated. Jesus experienced hate almost from the day that he was born. The Lord knows what that's like as far as hate day after day, month after month, year after year. There are experiences related to hate in school. Hate is experienced in neighborhoods. It's experienced in marriages. It's experienced in the workplace. It's all around us. Jesus knows what hatred is like, even to the point of the most brutal kind of death. Now, if you've ever been hated by someone, and I mean really, really hated, perhaps you have wondered as you've experienced that hate, as you thought about the experience, why does he, why does she, why do they hate me? What have they ever done to him, her, or them? Notice what Jesus has to say in John chapter 15 and verse 25. But this cometh to pass that the word may be fulfilled, that it is written in the law, they hated me without cause. A lot of hate is explainable by John chapter 15 and verse 25. Sometimes people have no real reason. They hate you, but there's no logical basis for it. It is illogical. If we could question in depth some people who are haters and say, why do you hate me? Why do you hate this other person so much? There would be a lot of people who would simply throw up their hands and say, we don't know. 
I really don't have an answer for you. We might hear something like, well, you're a Christian and I hate Christians. That's no answer. That's not a logical response. Others might be a little more specific, especially in today's culture. They might say, well, I have my values and you don't hold to my values. Really? Is that really why you hate me? Because we have to have the exact same values. Now, we may disagree. We may disagree strongly. We certainly may not see eye to eye on what is right and what is wrong, what is moral and what is immoral. But are you telling me that because we do not share the same value system, you actually hate me? There would be some people who would say, yes, that's exactly what I mean. When we deal with hateful people, and at some point in time, unless we're living in some cave, we probably will. We need to remember some things. Hateful people may be filled with hate, but generally they um, struggle to really explain it or explain it well. The reasons that someone could or would give are often pathetic. When Paul writes to Titus, one of his co-worker, he talks about hate. And notice the word, the pronoun we. Paul says, for we. We also were once foolish. We also were once disobedient. We also were once deceived. We also once served divers' lusts and pleasures. We also once lived in malice and envy. And then there's this. Paul said, we. And that would have included him. Paul the persecutor. Apparently going back to the time when he was persecuting Christians. Paul says, we hated. The Apostle Paul said, I know what it means to be a hater. I have lived the life of a hater. And Paul, as he writes to this young man, Titus, apparently he had some issues as well. The hatred had been going on for a very long time. But Paul says that's foolish. That's not wise. That's not a smart way to live. Yet when we look at the world and we see all the hate that surrounds us, that's exactly how many choose to live their lives. They choose to hate today and tomorrow, and they take that hate to the grave. If Christians are not careful, they can follow that same path. There's some people who can cross swords with them, so to speak. There are people who can do some things to Christians. Perhaps it is day after day, month after month, year after year. It's not just a bad week. It's not just a bad month, but it seems like it is a bad life. And Christians become involved with hate. That is not a road that we want to go down. We know that because John talks a lot about hate. He said, he that saith he is in light. Here's a person who claims to be a Christian. And he hates his brother. How serious is that, John? John says that Christian is not in the light. He is in the darkness even until now. In spite of what God has clearly said, there are still some people who would say, now wait a minute, if you only knew about this person, if you only knew about this circumstance, then you can understand why the hate is justified. It's easy to think that we are somehow the exception to the rule. If others treat us badly at school, if someone treats us badly in the neighborhood, if it is a coworker who uh, is involved with persistent hate, those circumstances may incline us to think that we have an exception, that we can hate that person. I can remember I was a young Christian and I hated a man. I hated a man for two and a half years. I hated a man so much that I had nightmares about him. I hated a man, I probably would have strangled him had I not been in the military. I knew that that would not be a bad uh, good situation. That would be a very bad thing to do. But I, I have experienced that one time in my life, a man that I had absolute hatred for. I had other people ask me, how can you work for such a man? We're working way down the hall and we hate him. How can you sit outside his office and bear to come in every single day? Well, I did. And I learned some things about hate. I learned that that will eat you up if you don't deal with it. I learned that God says it's wrong. 
Moving down a little bit more, First John chapter 3 and verse 15, whosoever hates his brother, John says, you are a murderer. How serious is hate, God? God says it's very serious. It might take the life, but in the spiritual realm, John says it's not literally murder, but that is the moral equivalent of being a murderer. And as you move down a little bit more, you have in First John chapter 4 and verse 20, the idea of hate introduced again. But this time as John takes up the sin of hate, he associates it with the word liar. Some of the worst sins, if some sins are worse than others, some of the worst sins are associated with hatred. We can even hear the unsaved sometimes claim that Christians are guilty of hate. Out of all the things that they should be able to say truthfully about a Christian, that should never be one statement that they can make. God has quite a bit to say about hate. It's something that we need to avoid. It's something that we're going to experience as we go through life. So we want to spend just a little bit as far as some practical points. If we have someone now who hates us, if we have someone in the future who hates us, what are some things that we can do? Here are four quick suggestions. When you're hated, it may be possible to ignore it. If you really want to irritate someone who hates you and is trying to get at you, ignore them. And maybe that's uh, advice which is a little more relevant to younger people because in those early years there may be strong temptation to react. You have expressed hatred to me. I'm going to do it back to you, but just ignore it. Haters often express hate because they want to get a rise out of us. They want to get a reaction. And oftentimes it will drive them just absolutely insane if you don't react. Learn to ignore it. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount when he spoke of turning the other cheek. That can be a number one choice. Now it might be that you're dealing with a hater who's a very good bluffer. And they're going to indicate that that doesn't bother them, but it really does. Christians need to know who they are. Christians need to know who the God is that they serve. And they need to, as we see from the second point, project confidence. They need to be willing to stand fast. They need to be willing to stand firm. They need to know the truth and they need to do, do it. When we look at the third point, that is avoid haters. Now that's no uh, brilliant suggestion, but sometimes there's some people that you can simply avoid. Maybe in the neighborhood, not always in the workplace, but sometimes and certainly in school. And when you think about avoiding them, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14 come to mind. Jesus said, leave them alone. Now, someone hates you, you would think that that would be pretty obvious. But sometimes people don't follow, people don't apply what Jesus said in that particular passage. A fourth technique is showing hateful people that they're wrong. And we can do that by the things that Jesus talked about earlier. Pray for your enemies. Do good. Be kind to them. Respond in a Christian way. We cannot end all the hate in the world. It's been around for a long time. It's going to continue to be around for a long time. But we can respond to it in the right way. And especially if we're dealing with a fellow Christian. It is never right to hate someone. And that is especially true for a child of God. Hate may one day enter life. It may make our life very, very unpleasant. And the world will one day stand in judgment for it. But as a Christian, if we hate someone now, it's time to clean that up. It's time to say, God, I have sinned. I have been wrong. I hate someone. Workplace, school, neighborhood, family member, who it is. God, I have been a hater. I have been foolish. And from this day forward, that stops. If you're a Christian, make that decision. Make that decision now. If you're someone who has never become a Christian, perhaps hate is an issue for you. Perhaps not. But whether the sin is hate or something else, the Bible offers a solution for every single sin. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. Whether that's hate or something else, John 8 and verse 24. 
Jesus then said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, without repentance, we're going to be lost. Repentance means there has to be that turning from sin. One of those sins is hate. Many understand the need to confess Christ. But how are sins going to be washed away? The Bible answers that question in Acts 22 and verse 16. A man who had been a hater, as we saw from the book of Titus, he had been a hater. He was told to arise to get up, to be baptized, have his sins washed away, as he called on the name of the Lord through the act of baptism. The hate was washed away for Paul. It can be washed away for us. Every sin can be washed away. If we've not been baptized into Christ or we need help with hate or another sin, will you let us know as we stand and sing?